I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Good morning, and welcome to episode 254 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller. Uh, what's your What's your confidence level today for A-Rod playing this season? I'm going to just ask you every day until this is decided one way or another. Uh, it, it wasn't a good day. <laughs> no, it, no, it wasn't it was a good not. day. Uh, <laughs> So I'd say my I'd say right now I feel about fifteen percent confident. Yeah. yeah, and before today, um, it varied from day to day, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, somewhere between, like originally when I picked him, I would have said probably seventy five, eighty percent, maybe yeah. even higher, maybe ninety, maybe eighty five or ninety. Yeah. Um, but you got to hear. I I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna do it. Maybe I will tomorrow. But you've got to get Dan Brooks to explain. Uh, how a rod is like the large hadron collider uh-huh. and how i mean he's got this like incredible theory about how like if a rod ever plays a baseball game the world is going to end <laughs> and it's very compelling it's a very compelling theory i'll ask him about that uh okay and in fact that a rod has played his theory involves that a rod actually has played games in many many universes mm-hmm. and or realities mm-hmm. and that those worlds did end <laughs> that we are the only ones still going. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm rooting against you and your and your fantasy no warp team. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your topic for today? Um, I want to revisit the correlation between winning and money, as well as talk about uh, Jake Peavy. Okay. Uh, and I thought we could talk about the trade deadline and whether it should be later. So you remember in, I'm going to say May, I think, I wrote a piece for ESPN the magazine about how the relationship between money and wins had dropped to previously unseen low levels. And at the time, part of this was based on, a large part of it, well, a large part of it was based on the fact that the correlation between payroll and winning percentage in 2012 was the lowest in the post-expansion era by a significant margin, and that um, 2000. 13 was well below average. And uh, at the time, it was early enough in the season that I was really actually very terrified uh, <laughs> that this that this trend or whatever that, was that going to That the Dodgers come. would start winning every single game? Well, that was one thing, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Dodgers and the Angels, and originally the Blue Jays were involved too. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of I knew one of those three was going to make it to the playoffs and, and embarrass, embarrass me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blue Jays ended up getting cut from the thesis and so they too weren't bad. part of it it is too bad i really <laughs> should have gone i should have done an american league thing stuck with the american league uh, but you know i mean even still the dodgers have like a 520 winning percentage and a 225 million dollar payroll so mm-hmm. it's not like they are uh you know the 27 yankees which you know i i think a lot of people would think that you should be if you have that much money to spend um and uh, you know, I, I just didn't know if the correlation was going to hold up. I mean, there's like a three-week lag time between when you file and when it comes out, so it was possible that it was going to get undone even that quickly. But I reviewed today. I, I it's been months now where we've got a pretty big, uh, you know, amount of games played. So I, re- I I went over and I I did the calculations again just before this, and in fact, uh, the correlation between wins and payroll this year has dropped just about to the same level as last year. So mm-hmm. it is now the two lowest recorded correlations in post-expansion history are the last two years. And if you remove the Astros, which I, admittedly is convenient 
But also, the Astros are such an extreme that I don't feel guilty removing the Astros. If you just look at the 29 teams that have any sort of major league payroll, uh, the correlation is slightly negative, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredible, right? Yes. I mean, this is this is we're talking thousands and thousands of games have been played. Well, not this year. This year, like 1,400 or something have been played. But um, they are. I mean, if you go back to last year, thousands and thousands of games. And, you know, we're seeing a weak correlation and perhaps something approaching no correlation. And so I just bring this up partly because I was curious and it's what I did before this podcast. And so I wanted to mention it. But also one of the things that kind of went into the discussion of why this would be happening um, is that the trade deadline uh, this year and it felt this way to some degree last year, but it definitely feels this way this year. It, it just feels like players don't get really traded unless they're flawed and anymore. Um, sounds, for like, various... sounds like it's going to dovetail nicely with my topic. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it's just uh, we did this PV thing, you know, and that hopefully mm-hmm. everybody saw on Monday in which we asked 11 players to uh, try to trade for Jake PV. And then we looked at what the range of trade proposals were. And, you know, I, I was playing Rick Hahn. And one of the things that kind of I acknowledged is that PV's not that good. Like he was, we picked him because he was the highest profile, most in demand player at the deadline, other than some sort of long shot guys who might be there, like the fleet. And um, you know, he's he's like somewhere between maybe like the 40th and 75th best pitcher in baseball. And you know, part of this is that there's a lot more teams that can convince themselves that they should be buyers or at least not sellers at this point. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that, of course, there's so many players being extended. And uh, But the upshot is that we have Jake Peavy. You know, it's like that's seems interesting to me. So do you want to just yeah, start talking about uh, your topic and then we'll see where this goes? Yeah. And RJ, RJ Anderson sent me a – it was a report from – I guess it was from rival executives or something that said that the White Sox – have have told people that they want to build around PV, yeah. Which is just kind of a strange, strange <laughs> strategy. I mean, uh, he's he's a fine player, but when you're not a contending team currently, uh, a 32 year old injury prone pitcher who's signed for one more season is not really a, a building block of a franchise. It doesn't seem like. Can we pause for a second and <laughs> not pause the show, but uh-huh. pause the, the the way we're going? Because I'm curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume, and and you know maybe he maybe he sincerely means it, um, but I'm going to assume that that this is not a thing the White Sox actually believe. That right. this is you know something to sort of boost Tell PV's perceived or... value. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was thinking boost PV's perceived value slash make it seem that you're not desperate to move him, give yourself a little bit more leverage, and maybe that's not the case. But I'm gonna assume that that's the case. So. I want to know if you were a GM and it was your job to say things that are just so untrue and that like you can't really say with a straight face and that you know that people are going to mock, which this was mocked a lot mm-hmm. um, today. Do you think you could do it? Like, do you have the ability to just say something that you <laughs> know to be not true? Because I don't think I do. I, I, I genuinely don't think that I'm capable of lying like that. Like I would love to. I'm not morally a, I mean I'm I'm morally opposed to it, but I'm not so morally strong that I wouldn't, you know, that I that I don't tell lies. Yeah. But uh but I don't think I could do it. I legitimately think that I would break down. Well, yeah, I think I could I could do it via text, <laughs> via email maybe. 
Do you? Uh, sure. <laughs> if I did it now, like... it's now it's on paper though. Now, <laughs> I mean, if if you look at every, I, I assume that you're a person who often like reads and rereads and rereads emails to make oh, sure yes. the wording is just right. Many times. And, and so, if you know that you're saying something that is not true, don't you think you would try to put in hedge words? I just find it hard to believe that anyone's gonna fall for this. Really, I mean, what what rival team is gonna look at that report and? Say, wow, maybe we underestimated PV. They're they're building around him. Uh-huh. He's a building block. Uh, so, and there was another uh, there was another thing like that uh, that came out yesterday where there was a a rumor for a while that the Orioles were willing to trade Dylan Bundy, and yeah. uh, and then yeah. <laughs> responding to that rumor, Dan Duquette said that probably came from someone who wants to trade for the player. <laughs> which, uh-huh. is, which is really funny. How like, does that work? I know, like if you want to, you want to trade for PV, so you or Bundy, so you put it out there. <laughs> you put it out there that the Orioles are thinking about trading for Bundy, hoping that the Orioles like, will then believe that they are shopping this, him. Right. It's, it's, this is not a democracy. It's not like we all get to vote. <laughs> right. And you put it in our heads. It's, yeah. It's, you think there would be a. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't really work. I don't think that would work. No, I I appreciate the effort though. If someone actually did that, hoping that the Orioles were so weak-willed that they would just be convinced to do that by reading a report that they were doing that. Um, I read a, you know, Ben. I heard today sources close to your camp uh-huh. that said that you were thinking of cutting this to three days a week. This podcast. Oh. I heard from source. I heard. Well, I, I assumed it was from you. Uh huh. So just huh. just putting that out there. Okay, I'm gonna have to rethink this. Um, yeah, so so I don't know. Uh, I guess if I felt like it really would help the team in some tangible way, I would just kind of swallow my reluctance to say something silly and do it because it's part of my job. But um, I guess I'd, I'd have to believe that it would work in some way, uh, and I I can't with that kind of statement really. Mm-hmm. All right. So where were you going? Uh, so there's been some suggestion because this deadline is is slow or has been so far, and I I do feel like uh, maybe we're we all kind of have this ideal deadline in our heads that's like super exciting, and every great player gets traded, and maybe uh, it's like a deadline that we lived through when we were kids rooting for some team, um, and no deadline since then has ever been as exciting as that deadline. Because it seems like every year I can remember people say that this deadline was slow. Uh, but this seems especially slow. Um, and as you said, there are there are reasons for that. So there's been some suggestion, like John Morosi tweeted yesterday. Some other people have written that the deadline should be moved back a couple of weeks, maybe to mid-August, uh, and that that would allow teams to figure out whether they are buyers and sellers or contenders or not. Uh, and that that would kind of free things up and that the reason that there haven't been trades are that there's the second wild card and there's a lot of parity, as you're saying. And so teams have kind of convinced themselves that they are contenders when maybe they're not or it's too early to tell that they're not. Um, so that's the suggestion that moving it back would help. But I I guess I'm kind of skeptical about that. And and Charlie Wilmoth at MLB Trade Rumors did a, a good post about this and kind of ran down all the, the reasons why players maybe have not been dealt so much. And in, in addition to the, the obvious ones like the, the wild card and the parody, 
there are, I guess, um, I mean, we've talked about the trend toward extensions a lot, and we've talked about it more as it relates to the free agent market. But uh, John Mazalak, I guess it was yesterday, maybe over the weekend, pointed out that uh, it also has an impact on the trade market because if there are fewer free agents, that means there are fewer players approaching free agency, which means that you would be less willing to, to deal players because you have more guys locked up long term. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Uh, and then there's the, the CBA, CBA change where players who are traded in the middle of the season don't get you draft picks if you, you, you can't get a draft pick for giving them a qualifying offer if you're the team that trades for them. Um, so that's another thing. And then uh, in this post, he kind of runs through and he says that that teams have gotten smarter um, and that they've kind of done the math and realized that midseason trades don't usually make the difference or don't lead to a ton of wins and that the, the cost-benefit analysis usually comes out in terms of or in favor of the, the seller or, uh, you know, who gets the prospects back and that long-term that it works out in their favor. And so, I don't know, uh, I guess, I mean, if you push the deadline back a couple weeks and if that were the case where teams just don't think it's worth it to give up prospects for these players, then I would think when you've got six weeks left in the season, no one's going to want to give up anyone for anyone, right? Because, I mean, over six weeks, there's even less of an impact to be made. So you think that that's counterintuitively that the earlier you make the deadline, the more trades there will be? Uh, I don't know about that. I, I just don't think it will make that big a difference to push it back a couple of weeks. I think, I, I, you know, it's possible that this year is kind of an outlier. You know, like uh, there are reasons to think that that there uh, are new circumstances that haven't been around for the whole time that the deadline has been July 31st, which is what, since 1986, I think Uh, it was June 15th before that. Um, But it's possible that there's just kind of a a confluence of factors and you've got kind of, you know, a couple GMs of, of potential sellers who aren't selling because they have, you know, convinced themselves that, that they're still contenders. You've got, you know, Dayton Moore and Ruben Amaro and and teams that maybe seem sort of like sellers um, who aren't selling for various reasons. And maybe that's not something that is just here to stay. It's just kind of what's happening this season. And maybe it would be an overreaction to completely change uh, the system based on on one or two years. Um, uh, I don't know if this is true. Somebody could check it by looking at transaction logs, but it also feels to me that the August uh, period is more active than it mm-hmm. used to be, and that you know I, I don't I don't know if more players are clearing waivers, but um, I mean we certainly hear about more players clearing waivers. But it feels that it feels like if you want to upgrade, you can continue to upgrade in August, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if you're willing to take on payroll, and so that kind of defeats the purpose of a deadline right so um you know you're the the idea of a deadline is it's supposed to spur people to act because it's it's uh it's impending it's counting down Mm -hmm. and if if that's sort of an artificial deadline then you just see it you know you see the you might see the same number of impact moves they're just spread out over the course of a month Mm -hmm. and there and there are teams uh who are not contending right now but still 
think that they'll be contenders next year and and maybe have reason to think that, you know, like the Blue Jays or the Angels teams that kind of have everyone on their roster signed for another season and seem to have contending team talent, but things have gone wrong this year and maybe they could retool and be back next year. So they're not, they're not sellers, even though their, their place in the standings would seem to dictate that they might sell. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it, it, it's sort of persuasive, but I think maybe it, it's too soon to say that, that we need to change the date. It's worked while it's worked well for a while. And, well, what what do you suppose the point of a trade deadline is? I mean, as far as like, like, it does seem a little bit kind of paternalistic to just have this league say like, no, you can't be trusted to act like, you know, to to, I don't know, to what to not tank or something. Like, what is right. the fear? The fear is that teams will, uh, once the the season is lost completely, that mm-hmm. they'll just dump players in a way that really heavily distorts uh, playoff contenders teams. Yeah. I guess, but I mean, a like so what? That you have the right to do with your players whatever you want. I mean, it seems sort of weird to to legislate against that. But also, it's not like I mean, there are there are there are uh, you know there are a, there are a dozen teams that have essentially zero percent playoff odds at the end of yes. July, mm-hmm. and you know there are right now there are like six teams with playoff odds over ninety percent right. probably. Yes. I'm not looking that up, but mm-hmm. um, so there's not. There's not that much mystery about what a lot of these teams need, right, and right. yet you don't see them. You don't see this happening in a way that like sort of turns the game into a sham. So why not just eliminate the tra- the trade deadline? Or like certainly you already have a rule in place that nobody who isn't on the roster by September first is allowed in the postseason. So that's that would act mm-hmm. if you if you took out the the DL loophole, the sixty day DL loophole, um, or the DL loophole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you took out the loophole, then that would essentially act as a uh, preservation of the game's interests, if that is a game's interest and just let people trade. It seems weird. They're grownups. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the fantasy league argument that always rages, uh, except it makes more sense in fantasy leagues. Cause you, you do have people who kind of tank and if it's not a keeper league, then it's just that one season. And, uh, you know, I mean that, that yeah. so, but, uh, Nobody, yeah, a lot of people just have no incentives in yes, keeper leagues. But, right. I mean, at least at least in, in baseball, in Major League Baseball, you're trusting that people are acting rationally in their own interests, which is what you want to encourage. Yeah, I, I guess, I don't know, the danger is you have Jeffrey Loria selling everyone, which he does anyway. Um, so Yeah, well, don't <laughs> let, yeah, I mean, if you don't want that to happen, then just have... Do have, a better job have, of screening the owners. No, just have, or, Bud Selig, have Bud Selig run all 30 teams. <laughs> <laughs> he can just tell us. He can just tell us who won. Yeah, that'll, that'll work well. Well, that's a that's a hot take. Abolish the trade <laughs> deadline. Wow. <laughs> so let's go back to mine. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm just curious uh, if we have this conversation in a year or let's say six years, mm-hmm. are we going to see uh, a correction? Or I mean, it seems it seems inevitable that money will win, right? That money has to win. It, how yeah. can money not? How can money not be an asset, Ben? Says the guy who wrote like 2,800 words and got cut down to 1,800 words not that long ago. I think, uh, well, I mean, it can be if you put enough measures in place to try to curtail that, uh, which baseball has sort of. Um, I mean, it's not you, coming yeah. completely out of nowhere. It's it's the result of, of considered 
moves and changes to the CBA that are are made to kind of enhance competitive balance and seem to have done that trick. But but it does seem inevitable to me that there will be some correlation, some relationship. I mean, so you you would speculate, and I'm not disputing. I think it's reasonable to speculate, perhaps this way. How it's reasonable to speculate, however you want that. This might be a fluke year with Oakland, Tampa Bay, and Pittsburgh having the 27, 28, and 29th, uh, or actually 26, 27, 28th payrolls, all with huge winning percentages, that this is just sort of a maybe a little bit of a fluke where those three teams have had great success, are in a, in a winning cycle, while the you know, Angels and Phillies and you know, the remnants of the Mets payroll all, are all doing terribly. Yeah, I think there's probably some cyclical aspect to it um but I, I mean i would certainly believe that the correlation is is going to be lower than it has been in the past i would buy that um I, mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to believe that there will be no correlation you know maybe it's like maybe the rich teams need a little time to figure out what to do with their money now that some of the things they used to do with it aren't aren't working as well um but it seems to me that they'll find something. Do you do you agree, or do you are you confident that this is the new the new normal? I I have a hard time believing it can be the new normal. I'm I'm not ruling it out, but I have a I just I have a hard time believing it can possibly be true. Yes, I agree. I I just I I just can't accept that having more money is not better than having less money. I. I, I recognize the institutional advantages, uh, uh, disadvantages that have been put in place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I need to revisit it. I should go back and read my notes. You know, if there were a if there were a hard cap on salary, uh, I guess I could buy it then. Although even I guess I, it still seems like there are things that you could do. Whether it's just kind of uh, putting money into your minor league system and just taking good care of your minor leaguers or, or building academies somewhere or, or something. But I could buy that, that that would be a, a slight advantage if there were a hard cap and, and the luxury tax sort of functions as a, a soft cap and seems to have actually dissuaded say the Yankees from spending unlimited money. Um, but there's just, there's still such a, a gap between rich and poor, even with those controls put in place that it is, it is hard for me to believe that there would be no advantage to that over time. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll wait and see. I have more thoughts on this, but they're not well thought out. Okay. Well, All we'll right. save them for when they are. Uh, tomorrow's the email show, so send us some at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.